0: Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Don't we serve a good God? Someone needs to hear this today. You feel like you've been fighting some battles? How many of you feel like you've just been going through it? You feel you feel like the the enemy's just kicked you while you're down. He's been just like every time you try to get up and you're like trying to muster all the strength you can. You're like God, I need you, and you just feel down. I, I I'm gonna raise my hand. I'm gonna raise my hand. This is what we need to hear. I feel like the Lord's just been placing this in my heart, and I don't think it's a coincidence, but you are not fighting for victory. You are not fighting for victory. You, as a follower of Jesus Christ, are fighting from a place of victory. Because of Jesus we just need to reconcile reconciliation is a mathematical term it means to put in the right category and someone needs to put this in the right category of their mind you are fighting from victory jesus christ has won the battle you are fighting let's give him glory let's give him honor let's lift him up because he's a god who cares he's a god who's here He's a God who shows up in our lives, and he doesn't say, hey, just try a little harder. Hey, do this a little more. Hey, maybe you should pray a little longer. No, he says, I am your victory. I am more than enough. I have fought the fight for you. Trust me. Trust me. Some of us just, maybe we need to quit trying to fight on our own. And just get in a posture of trust, saying, God, I trust you. I trust you because you are my victory. You are my breakthrough. You are more than enough. And he is. That battle you're facing has been defeated. That that medical condition has been defeated. That financial crisis has been defeated. Father, I pray right now. Lord, I thank you that you're the God of the breakthrough. You're the God of victory. We don't have to fight for victory. We fight from victory. It's all on you, Jesus. And Father, I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you show up today and you do what only you can do. You do what only you can do glorify your name in this place every heart that has walls around it that's been built up with maybe baggage from childhood every every heart that has walls around it that is having a hard time receiving this word I pray that you tear them down in the name of Jesus Holy Spirit in your loving kind way I pray that you wrap every person here in love that your word will penetrate our hearts in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. God wastes nothing. He doesn't waste a single thing. I love that about God. Before recycling became good, And it became a thing. God was recycling. I'm evidence that God recycles. I'm evidence that God recycles. And the battle that you're facing, God's going to recycle. What you think is going to destroy you, God's going to be glorified out of it. And he's going to promote you through it. With that said, I'm going to tell you a joke. Um, see that transition? It's professional right there. The, um, last week, Amy said, you didn't say a joke. I'm like, I know. I know. I thought enough people would just laugh at me. <laughs> but there is this guy who um, was having car trouble. And this is a very relevant joke because my vehicle is needing a timing chain, so it's at the shop right now, so it might be me that this joke is about, but this guy is having car trouble, and he pulls into the, the mechanic, and um, he's, you know, doing his best diagn- diagnosis, he, he diagnoses a vehicle like I, or like, you know, you pull in, and you're like, well, it's doing, you know, like, and the mechanic's like, really? What was that again? What sound? And he's like, well, it's just, you know. And the one more time. Now I just want to make sure I get a proper diagnosis. And this is before they had computers and everything like that. Well, the guy left, and um, the mechanic finally got alone, popped the hood, properly diagnosing it. The guy called back a few days later, and he asked the mechanic, like, so now that you've had time alone with my car, um, what's it looking like? The mechanic said, "Well, it looks like two weeks in Waikiki. <laughs> if you don't get that, it means it's going to be an expensive fix." <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> With that said, we're 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 continuing our series called Identity Crisis, and. We are in Daniel chapter 2, and there's a lot going on here, and we're actually going to be looking at several verses. We're going to be looking at 1 through 19, then 25 through 30, and this, what's happening in Daniel chapter 2 is the same thing that happens in Daniel chapter 4. There's an interpretation of a dream, and Daniel's response in both situations is very similar, and so we're going to just kind of look at Daniel chapter 2 for today, but Last week we hit on this, this identity crisis. and the point of this series is to remind us to root our identity now more than ever in Christ. Everything is trying to grab identity. Everything's trying to put a label on you. Everything is trying to redefine who you are. Everything, Everything that we are facing in our society is all about identity. Right now, the current identity issues is vaccinated versus unvaccinated. Last year, it was black versus white. You're, I mean, like, like there is there's an identity. And, and whenever you start labeling things and, and you let things rock your identity, it actually sows dissension. And that's why I know that what's going on in this attack on our country is straight demonic. Because anything that sows dissension in the hearts of man is from the enemy. Because the last time I checked, Jesus came and died for all. Period. There's not a a disclaimer in that. It's everyone. And the enemy wants to segregate. The enemy wants to to label. The enemy wants to take and, and put the church in identity crisis. And Daniel, last week, we, we looked and we saw that he's like, he, they, he literally got renamed. Daniel's um, name, Babylonian name is Belshazzar, which is actually named after their God. It, it, it means, and, and he says this later in chapter 4, but it literally means like one who the gods are in. Because Daniel had such wisdom, the people around him were like, dude, there, there's God is in that man. Not in a possession, like, like, uh, like a weird possession, like, but, but in the sense that he had such wisdom, they didn't know how else to describe Daniel, so they, they named him Belshazzar. And we talked about how the enemy likes to rename us, and we talked about how the enemy wants to change what we're consuming, and Daniel made a stand in chapter 1, verse 8. He de- it says that he, he determined, he, he said, I will not eat this. And I believe verse 8 in chapter 1 is the reason why we have the book of Daniel. It's literally because he decided, my identity is not going to change regardless of what the enemy is going to try to call me, regardless of what he's going to try to get me to consume. So with that said, we're going to continue in this series, and it's a little different today But when your identity is in Christ, it's going to cultivate something in you. And we get to see what it cultivates when we're faced with, quite frankly, unjust decrees. And so how do we respond to a government that is completely unjust? These are questions we have to ask. Because if you read the back of the Bible, there's going to be a lot of injustice before it all ends. And as a follower of Christ, we can't respond out of our American patriotism. We can't respond out of our political persuasion. We got to respond out of what the word of God says. Christ first. Christ in me. I am a citizen of heaven. I love people, period. End of story. Because God loves them. And so um, we're going to look at it Uh, a situation that quite frankly seems impossible. So let's, let's jump into it real quick. One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. Poor guy was having little nightmares. He called his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers, and demanded they tell him what he had dreamed as they stood before the king. I could tell you what happens. They can't. Isn't that like, leave it to, leave it to God to put us into an impossible situation that only God can get us out of. Some of us hate impossible situations, but when you're in an impossible situation, that's a good thing. Because that's where God shows up the most. God... God does impossible before we even wake up every day. God's always moving, always moving. And God's actually always moving you. Think about this. The earth spins at 1,000 miles an hour. And it rotates around the sun at 64,000 miles an hour. You're moving right now, and God's moving you. And you don't even know it. And that's just from a, um, is it cosmetology, cosmetology? Hological? That's a big word. No, that's not the right. That's makeup, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. No. Well, it is very pretty. Uh, yeah, whatever. There's a word that starts with the C and has Mick in it. Uh, Amy's like, I know that word. Next week I'll be using Mary Kay. Um, stop it get back on track. And he said, I've had a dream that deeply troubles me and I must know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, long live the king. Tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. Tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. But the king said to the astrologers, I am serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was, and what it means, you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. That seems fair, right? I feel like the astrologers are actually kind of in the right here. I mean, like um, my my son will do that to me sometimes, and he's three, but he'll walk up and say, "Dad, you know." I'm like, "Know what, bud? You know." You know the toy. What toy? The one. Like, I, but can you tell me what it, No, it's the toy. I'm like, I, I don't know. Um, so, but I feel like that's what's happening right here. But the king said to the astrologers, okay, we already, so, but if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. They said again, please, your majesty, tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. The king replied, I know what you are doing. You are stalling for time because you know I am serious when I say, if you don't tell me the dream, you are doomed. So you have conspired to tell me lies, hoping I will change my mind. But tell me the dream, then I will know that you can tell me what it means. The astrologers replied to the king, no one on earth can tell you the king his dream. And no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell your dream. Can tell you your dream. And they do not live here among people. The king was furious when he heard this, and he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends, the the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So because Daniel was a wise man, and he, like, remember at the end of Chapter 1, it says that whenever the king needed advice, he found Daniel and the three Hebrew children ten times more capable of any of his magicians, astrologers, or enchanters. They just gave really good advice because the Lord gave them wisdom, an un- unparalleled wisdom, because their identities were rooted in God. And so we see... When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. That there's that wisdom manifesting. He asked Arioch, "Why has the king issued such a harsh decree?" So Arioch told him everything that had happened. Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Then Daniel went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, that's the three Hebrew children, Hebrew names, what had happened. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. I love I love this. This, this is not a point or anything, but I want to bring attention to it, because when your identity is rooted in Christ, and you go before the Lord, you have a heart for other people, whether they have a heart for you. Daniel is not just doing this like, I don't want to be killed. Daniel is thinking about hundreds of people, and he's saying, no, this is injustice, and I'm going to stand, whether they stood for me or not I'm going to stand in defense of them so we're going to skip down a few verses Um, or it says that night the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision then Daniel praised the God of heaven and now let's go Um, down a little bit to verse 25. Ariok quickly took Daniel to the king and said, I have found one of the captives from Judah who will tell the king the meaning of his dream. The king said to Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? Daniel replied, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secrets. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you your dream and the vision you saw as you lay on your bed. Well, your majesty was asleep, and then he goes on, you dreamed about coming events. He who reveals secrets has shown you what is going to happen. And it is not because I am wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. What was in your heart. I have three thoughts for you today. And um, I'm going to try my best to, to help you understand what I think is really key for us to know in in face of injustice and injustice is coming whether you like it or not persecution is coming whether you like it or not what how how do we handle things like Daniel was literally in bed we know that the king woke up he he clearly was asleep this is the middle of the night they sent people, and Daniel's woke up from a person wanting to kill him. That's a rough night. I, I've, I've never had that happen, um, but Daniel, he's, he, he handled it with discretion and wisdom. And what did he do, though, in response to this? What did he do? The, the first thought I want to give you is seek God in everything. I know that's so so elementary. And I think that sometimes sometimes it's the elementary things that actually change things. I played basketball from the time I was 10 till I was 23. And every basketball practice, what did we do? We went over fundamentals. Fundamental passing drills, fundamental dribbling drills, stuff that I learned in fifth grade, I was doing my senior year of college in practice because it's the fundamentals that you build upon that changes things. And seeking God in everything is a fundamental of our walk with God. But sometimes we, we actually allocate seeking God to really big things, like when we get sick or we have a crisis or we have, you know, like, we, like I'm not saying that we, we shouldn't see God there. We should, for sure. This is a big thing. He's about to be put to death for someone else's inadequacy. It's very unjust. He's about to feel the wrath of something that he had nothing to do with. But we need to see God in everything. So his initial response was to turn around and seek God. And listen, you might not get an answer like Daniel got, but if all you do is seek God, that will be enough. Seeking God, honestly, is almost its own reward. Because as we set in our hearts to live a life of pursuit and seeking God and his will, we will we will live a life of blessing. We will live a life of knowing that God's in control. We will live a life knowing that whatever comes at us, God can handle. And if and um, we not we might not be able to handle it. There is a really there is a scripture that says, "No temptation um, has seized you except what is common to man. God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear." And we so often put that with this idea that God won't allow us to go through things more than we can bear. And 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 honestly. That's not true. We go through things all the time, more than what we can bear. But we know that God can bear it when we live a life of just pursuit in him. And Daniel is living this life. His first initial reaction in the face of death in the middle of the night was, let's pray. Let's go after Jesus. Let's." Jesus hadn't come yet, but let's go after God. And so I want to I give you a, a couple things. Um, Jesus actually hit, hit on this in Matthew chapter 6. And and I'm going to read it real quick. Um, you don't have it, so don't worry if you're like, oh, no, it's not on the computer. Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Jesus said, so don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father are, already knows all your needs. Seek The kingdom of God. Seek. Seek God in everything. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So Jesus is hitting on what Daniel is living. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, he says, No one can serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. And then he says, I tell you this so that you don't worry. And he goes on between that. He says, no one can serve both God and money. And then he says, I tell you this so you won't worry. So if we're worried and and we're, we're, we're living a life that's really filled with worry, that means we're seeking the wrong master. We're serving the wrong master. Because Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. So we got to determine, like Daniel, in our heart that God is my master. I'm going to seek him in everything. And in that, God will provide everything we need. So there's, I just want to give you a few benefits of seeking God. Seeking God replaces worry with something that works. When we seek God, it replaces worry with something that works. You know what that something is? Prayer. Worry doesn't do anything to your situation. It takes away from your life. It it, it builds up anxiety. It it makes you think that you're in control over something that you're not in control. But what does prayer do? Prayer takes and bottles up that worry and hands it back to God and says, God, this is yours. I'm sick of trying to handle it. I'm going to hand it to you. And that works. Prayer works. Prayer works. works. How many of you guys have prayed prayers that God's answered? Oh, would you look at that? Every hand. How many of you guys have worried that was answered? You worried and it it got answered. Yeah. It probably didn't help your health either. No. Seek God in everything. Seeking God replaces worry with something that works. Prayer. Seeking God... Gives direction. Seeking God gives direction. Daniel literally knew to seek God. He knew it. He's like, You're going to kill me? I'm going to seek God. Let's see what God does. And, side note, if that's all you can do, that's all you need to do. If seeking God is all you can do in your situation, then that's all you need to do in your situation. And God will give you direction to move forward. What did he he do? He prayed. He asked his friends to pray. And he prayed. And I love this. It says, he asked Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, hey, pray that God will show mercy. Pray that God will show mercy. If you're going to bet on God. If you're going to bet on a character trait of God, you can bet on God's proclivity to pour mercy out on his people. They were betting, like, we're going to pray that God will have mercy and give us the direction and reveal the secret of this dream. And get this, God loves to show mercy. He loves to pour it out on you. You might feel like, I don't deserve God's mercy. Well, I would like to join you in that sentiment and say, neither do I. But that's the point of mercy, because it's getting something you don't deserve. God loves to pour mercy. So if you're if you're going through it and and you're seeking God, you can bet on God showing up and giving mercy to you in your situation. That's a safe bet every single time. God will give you mercy. And the cool thing is, he doesn't even run out. He never runs out of mercy, but on top of that, every day... It says God's mercies are made new every morning. So not that he needed to make new mercies because he never runs out of mercies, but just because every day is a different day, God's going to say, you know what, I got new mercies for you today that were yesterday because this day is different than yesterday. So I'm going to custom make mercies to fit your day. Just like a suit that's uh, custom cut and, and fitted, God makes fitted mercy for your life. And that's a safe bet. They said, let's seek God for mercy. Let's seek God for mercy. Seek God in everything. The third thing that seeking God will do, it will literally, seeking God will literally provide for you. Jesus was not mixing words when he said this. He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about your housing. Like he said, heathens, sinners, the world thinks and worries about that stuff. But you, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. Seeking God first, above all things. Seeking God's will, seeking his his direction, seeking God first, will literally lead to, hey, clothing, food, shelter. Shelter. That's what Jesus said. All these things, what was he talking about? Clothing, food, and shelter will be added unto you. When we seek God, it provides. What did it do for Daniel? It provided wisdom. It provided literally the answer. uh, The answer for what Daniel needed. God told Daniel what the king had dreamed. Where hundreds of magicians, enchanters, and sorcerers could not, God told Daniel. They said, only the gods can do it. And the gods don't dwell among people. Well, their gods don't, but our God does. And he loves to be with people. And so when we seek God in everything, it literally provides for us. Seeking God. When we live a life of seeking God in everything, we will see God in everything we do. And we will see God do the impossible. I want you to, I, I need us to grab what is like, you might just say, well, it's just a dream. Like, think about the impossibility of what's happening here. A king had a dream. And he says, I need you to interpret the dream. But before you interpret the dream, I need you to tell me what I dreamed. Not because he forgot what he dreamed, but he wanted to know what you're going to tell him is right. Right? That would be like me walking up to a complete stranger and saying, can you tell me what I had for dinner last night? Like, honestly, any more people could probably get on Facebook, oh, he took a picture of it, that's lucky. Like, but think about the impossibility of this, to the point where these people will just giving up hope, the magicians, the enchanters, the the sorcerers, the astrologers, they're just like, I guess we're going to die and our house is going to be rubble because no one can do this. But God, Daniel's first instinct wasn't to worry. It wasn't to 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 freak out. It was to seek God. Seek God in everything. This was a completely unjust, in- I mean like, Hundreds of people were going to get killed because an impossible request was made. Complete injustice from the government that was ruling over him. Instead of running, instead of belly bellyaching, instead of Daniel getting on Instagram and Facebook and blasting the government, what did he do? He sought God. He sought God. He didn't didn't say, God, take this man from his throne and destroy him before he destroys me. He said, Lord, let me help him. Give me the answer to his request. And by doing that, he protected hundreds of people. The second thought I want to give you is say what he says. Say what God says. Daniel got the vision. He, 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 the Lord revealed the dream and what it meant to Daniel. Then Daniel had to go before the king and tell him. Like, I, I think that we can lose the gravitas of the situation by reading over it. But I want you to understand what's at stake Daniel is taking a huge step of faith. He believes that God revealed to him the the dream and the meaning of the dream. And he is going confidently before the king saying, don't execute anyone, I can tell it to you. And then he takes a step of faith saying, God, I hope this is it. Because if it's not it, guess what? Well, they get torn limb from limb. And their houses get turned into a heap of rubble. Because you don't make a promise like, oh, we can interpret your dream after requesting more time to, to seek God about it. And then say, I got it. And then get it wrong. Clearly, Nebuchadnezzar, he was a man that was used to getting answers right then and there. So ne- Daniel is stepping here. In faith. And what is he saying? No more, no less than what God told him to say. No more, no less than what God told him to say. How does this apply to us, man? When we see God in everything, maybe you've been seeking God about the salvation of family members, neighbors, Maybe you've been seeking God about employment. Maybe, like I don't know what you're seeking God about. Maybe you're seeking God about restoration. And the Lord started laying things on your heart. Hey, I need you to call that person. I need you to, to apply here. I need you to pray for this. And God started giving. Because here's the thing. God's never quiet. He's always speaking to us. But we, 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 we so often don't tune our ears to listen until it's something we want to hear. Like, it, it, and, and a lot of, the 90% of the time, I, I would say almost 100%, what God says is through his word. And, like, we're, we're like, God, I, I want to hear the still, small voice. And God's like, you're not even opening my, my word. You're not even spending time on my word, and you want me to speak to you. Or we want a new word from God, and we haven't even done the last thing that he told us to do. And so... It's not a lack of God speaking. It's probably a lack of our seeking. But when we seek God in everything, when we do it, God speaks. Jesus made a habit of seeking God in everything. Before he called his 12 apostles, he went up on a mountain alone to pray because he wanted to seek God. God. He was God on earth, and he modeled seeking God in everything. And what did he say? I only say what the Father tells me to say. And I only do what the Father tells me to do. And that's how Jesus lived. Daniel, he walked into the king. And he told the king what God said. Just straight up. And how that applies to us. If God's telling you to call someone and pray with them, pray with them. If God's God's giving you a word for someone, give it to them. You don't need permission by any man if you feel the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know how you learn the voice of the Holy Spirit? By stepping in faith, thinking it's the Holy Spirit. Man, if God's... I'll beat this drum to the day I die, but we have got to be a people who listen to the Holy Spirit and do what He does and say what He says. We have have to. Man, like... I love, I love how the Holy Spirit never lets me be a hypocrite with this stuff. And, 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 and so often, what I've discovered is, it's not always when I make myself available that God uses me, but it's just along the way. It's along the way. Like, you guys know I walk downtown. You guys know that. I'm not, but, and, and there's times where I don't feel the Lord leading me to pray with anyone. But sometimes at the gym, I'll walk in, and I'll see a guy, and I'm like, oh, I need to pray with that dude. But Lord, can I wait till he gets off that machine? Because that's just awkward as he's over there squatting, you know, like. But I was was riding my bike the other day, and when I ride my bike, I honestly do it just to get away from Amy. I'm I'm just joking. I'm joking. No, I'm joking. I do it to get away from my kids. Um. A lot of times they ride with me, Um, but I was riding loops in my neighborhood, and I like to listen to the Bible or praise music, and I pray. I pray for my neighbors. I pray for this church. I just, it's just a a moment to clear my head and to sweat, and uh, I saw a guy I never talked to, never even seen, but he was pulling weeds a couple of streets over out of his front yard and I just saw him and just that, that thought went through my head. That guy needs prayer. You need, you need to pray with him. That's, that was, that was the exact words that went through my head. You need to pray with him. And so I rode past him. <laughs> and cause I was like, I saw him ahead of time. So then I started asking myself all these questions like, Lord, was that me or is that you? Was that me or is that you? and I'm like i didn't get anything i didn't get anything I'm like okay so when the lord is quiet i go back to another question i always ask myself what do i have to lose what do i have to lose what's the worst that can happen dude can i pray with you no all right have a good day so I turn around, and I go back, and I, I lay my bike down, and I just walk up, and I said, Hey, man, um, I feel like I need to pray with you, and that's a great opening line. Uh, like, just cut the small talk and get to the point. And he said, No, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't need prayer. I said, All right, have a nice day. And in my heart, I'm like, That's not right. That's not right, because the Holy Spirit's never wrong. When the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, he's never wrong. He was not wrong in Daniel's case. Daniel took a step of faith. Daniel stepped up, and, and, and he walked in obedience. He was, all he had, all he had was what he thought the dream was, and all he had was, I think this is the meaning. That's all he had walking into this meaning. But he walked in confidence, and he said, King, this is what your dream was. And this is why you had it. And he stepped in faith. And so I'm about to get back on my bike. And the guy goes, well, actually, I'm like, that makes sense. Because the Holy Spirit is never wrong. If God's telling you to do something, just do it. Because he's not wrong. We can be wrong. I can be wrong for sure. I've been wrong multiple times. But when you know it's God and you're seeking God in everything. I find that as you seek God in everything, you, you you start discerning, okay, this is for sure God. And a lot of times God is looking for us to give a God is looking for us to give give him our I don't care. I don't care what happens. I'm going to do it. I think too much of the time we care too much about what will happen or what will, what will people think or if we look crazy. And God's like, well, as long as you start thinking like that, that's really hard for me to use because um, it will keep us. Fear will keep us from stepping. But you have to walk through fear to walk in faith. And I, I just, for me, I just, I just say, God, I don't care about the consequences. I'm willing to step in faith. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And he said, man, my mom's been living with me for two years. I've been taking care of her. She has a lung condition. And I said, well, as I rode past you, the Lord told me to pray for you because he loves you. I got to share the gospel with him. And I got to pray with this mom. I'm going to go check on him tomorrow to see how his mom's doing. I I told him, I said, God's going to heal her. And there is a reason why God wanted me to pray with you. And he's wiping tears from his eyes. And he's like, no, I I feel better. I, I, I feel better. God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't. Just say what God says. Say what God says. And watch God. If it's God saying it, it's on God to do it. It doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on your strength. It doesn't depend on anything else. If it's God, he'll do it. He'll make a way. And the third thought I want to give you is give God credit. Give him credit. Daniel made no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He didn't try to say, I'm amazing. I'm better than all of your stupid wise men. Because I'm Daniel. Daniel. No, he didn't do that. He said, it's not because I'm better. But there is a God in heaven that wants you to know. That wants you to know. God does not share glory. God does not share one ounce of it. And the moment we try to take glory from our Father... God has a way of humbling us to where we won't make that mistake again. But there is something so beautiful about what God says here in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Peter hits on this. He says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. Some translations say under God's mighty right hand. And in the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Humble yourself. I love this. Daniel's story would have went vastly different if he ever tried to take glory from God. But because he gave God glory, he sought God in everything. He said what God said, and then he gave God credit for it. What did God do? He got put over the entire province of Babylon. And the three Hebrew children got to oversee the affairs of Babylon. He got a huge promotion All these other jokers that couldn't tell the king were suddenly under Daniel's charge. Because God lifted him up in honor all because he had this attitude. He knew where his identity was, and I'm going to seek God. I'm going to say what God says, and I'm going to give him credit. I'm going to give him credit. He didn't know. You know, he wasn't there when the king said, I will vastly reward you if you tell me. He didn't know that. He was just doing it because it was right. He didn't want any of these other guys to be killed. And he gave God credit. He said, there is a God in heaven who knows. And he wants you to know. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand. That seems really nice. It seems really great, and it is great. But that hand is a hand of love, it's a hand of care, it's a hand of discipline. And when we humble ourselves under God's hand, that means we allow him to crush us a little. We allow him to we allow him to press us a little. You know how he presses us? It's not out of cruelty, but it's out of situations where he's saying, seek me. Those situations that you feel like you can't handle, guess what? You can't. Like Daniel's situation. That was one of those moments where he humbled himself under God's mighty hand, and he sought God. In the pressing, God lifted him up in honor. In the pressing, God God used that pressing to save people's life. And that's why God does not waste anything. If you're going through it, if you have family members going through it, see God, let him press you. You know, fine wine is not made without a pressing. You can't get wine and juice out of grapes without them being crushed. You can't. can't get any juice without a crushing but when we humble ourselves under god's hand it's just just a posture of surrender god i'm yours press me crush me use me and at the right time he'll lift you up in honor at the right time and, and he has to press us to the point where he presses pride out of us. He presses every, every desire to take credit for his glory out of us. He has to press us because the thing is, if we can't handle his glory. It will crush us in a bad way. When God crushes us, it gives life. When the world crushes us, when pride crushes us, it destroys us. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. And in due time, let him. Let him do that work. Let the season you're in do the work. Let the season you find you're in do the work. Some of us have been fighting against the season. Fighting against the the very thing that God's using to bring breakthrough. We've been fighting the process. We've been fighting what we we think is a giant, and God's like, it's not a giant. That's what I'm going to use to bring breakthrough. But humble yourself. Quit looking at that situation and start looking at me. Quit looking at that, that dilemma. Quit looking at that unemployment. Quit looking at that virus. Quit looking at that news organization. Quit looking at that government and start looking at me. Seek me in everything say what I say give me the credit let there be a pressing and in due time in due time God will lift you up this season you're in won't last forever it won't joy comes in the morning but there's a pressing humble yourselves there's a posture of humility. And I, I, I heard this as a child from some older gentleman in our church. I couldn't tell. Well, actually, I can His name was Brother Hoffman. And every worship, he was both hands in the air. Like, I can't hold my arms up that long. I wish I could, but I'm like, oh, gosh. My arm's about to fall off. I right, switch, I'll switch, switch. Every now and then I get both. But I heard him say this. He says, I never want to be in a service where I'm not surrendered." And now, obviously, that's an outward expression. Surrender is a heart condition. I know. But it's just an outward expression. But this, it's a posture. I, I do believe that sometimes uh, physical things can posture our hearts spiritually. And so often when we're going through it, we don't want to praise. We don't want to worship. We don't want to do things. But I'm telling you, let it press you. Let it press you. He said, this is a posture of surrender. This is a posture of getting pressed. I'm going to worship God regardless of the season. always remember that I heard that when I was like nine and I'm like I never want to be guilty of not having that posture and there's another posture that the church needs to remember and I've heard it called the posture of possibility and this is what Daniel modeled humble yourself seek God in everything and I've been told that just basing yourself before the Lord It's a posture, a possibility. You humble yourself. And I'm not saying we have to lay out on the floor or anything like that. That's a prayer closet thing. But when we learn these postures of humility and surrender, it changes things. It changes things. And once again, that's it. Don't do it on the surface level. Don't do it to be seen. Don't do it. It's a heart thing that manifests. It's a heart thing. You can raise your hands all day long and be a sinner. You can be crying out before the Lord all day long and never lay anything at His feet, and get up just as prideful as before. But humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. And what we're going to do is we're going to worship in response to who God is because he's worthy and I would challenge you to search your heart and say Lord press me that's a, that's a scary prayer but in due time he'll lift you up in honor let's have an attitude of humility Daniel humbled himself he sought God in everything in every Read the book of Daniel. Every, his whole life was seeking the Lord. He sought God in everything. Then he just said what God said. He interpreted three dreams throughout the book. And each one was harder to interpret. There was one dream that he interpreted that basically said, You're going to be killed. And uh, someone else is going to take your kingdom. And guess what? He got gold for just saying what God said. Like you would think, oh, that king's going to kill him. No, nope, he 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 promoted him because when you say what God says, God will promote you. When you give him credit. So let's let's stand and let's worship in response. If you need prayer, I'm going to be up here. Amy's going to be up here. I I truly believe I truly believe God is doing something and he's going to do something. But there is a pressing that comes. There is a pressing. And in due time, God will lift you up in honor. Let's worship. If you need prayer, come forward. And we want to pray with you.
1: I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me. Fill me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. joy, when my heart is heavy for all my days, yes, I will, I count on one thing, the same God that never fails, will not fail me now, you won't fail. joy, when my heart is heavy for all my days,
2: yes,
1: I will.
2: I pray that you would be with each and every person, Lord. God, I pray that if they're in a season of pressing, Lord, that they would come out refreshed and stronger than what they went in, than what they were through the the pressing, God. And I pray right now that you would be with each and every person, Lord, that this week that you would strengthen them, That you would bless them, God. Lord, I pray that there would be such a, a newness and a fullness of joy as they go throughout their week, Lord. The things that they've been praying for, God, I pray that you would start to work and start to move and let them see it in a physical, physical, tangible way, Lord. We thank you for what you just did. Lord, we praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week. We will see you next week.